0: Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Wenton,
1: California. Now this morning, I'm going to do a history lesson with you. And I know that the Old Testament is all about history. And about the things that God taught people in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The... um, The different things that the Lord used to teach people. uh, The different situations, the different events that took place. Uh, I'm going to speak this morning about some of these particular events. And I know that when we dig into the Old Testament, it seems a little dry. And it seems um, something that may not be relevant to us. But I want to tell you this morning and preface this by saying... What I'm going to teach you this morning is something that is very real, very present, and something that we all need to look at once again. And so I'm going to ask that you turn your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 23. And we'll be there, and we're going to go all over the place today, but this is where we're going to kind of anchor this morning. Leviticus chapter 23. So just kind of put your finger there for a moment. And the title of today's message is Let the Trumpet Sound. Let the Trumpet Sound. And it is about the festivals. Those of you who are uh, into the Old Testament like I am, which is probably far and few between. But those of us who love the history of the Bible and those who um, study it at great length know that this is a particular subject that is brought up quite often and is today because it is in line with revelation. It is in line with the coming of our Lord. And so I kind of want to delve into that a little bit this morning. So in Leviticus 23, God institutes a series of seven feasts or festivals, you can call them, that the people of Israel were to observe each year. And each of those have great significance in the Jewish faith. And practice. But each of those seven feasts, like many things in the Old Testament, also prophetically point to Jesus. They point to Jesus. And those feasts were divided into two seasons. Now I realize that we are not in one of those two seasons. It's talking about the spring and the fall. That's why I wore fall clothes this morning, as to kind of set the mood for you. Okay. I realize we're several months away, but the weather kind of feels like we're still there. But it's divided into two seasons. We had the spring and the fall. The first four feasts are known as the spring festivals. And all four spring festivals have already been fulfilled in in and by Jesus during his first coming. So like I said, I'm giving you a little bit of a history lesson this morning. Some of you already know that. You're saying, okay, I can, I can check out. Don't check out just yet, okay? So these have been fulfilled. The feast of fast Passover was fulfilled by Jesus' sacrificial death as our Passover lamb. The feast of unleavened bread was fulfilled by his burial. The feast of first fruits was fulfilled by what? His resurrection. And the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost was fulfilled by the coming of the Holy Spirit. And now the final three feasts are known as the fall festivals, like I'm dressed today, right? And we're going to be hosting our own fall festival here in about three and a half to four months. Like I said, we're getting an early start, right? About three and a half, four months from now. But that's not the kind of festival that I'm talking about. The three fall festivals from Leviticus 23 will be fulfilled when Jesus returns for the second time. And what I find so amazing about this and is how perfectly and completely Jesus fulfilled each of the details Of the four spring festivals in his first coming, even down to the very day specified centuries earlier in the time of Moses. And just like his fulfillment of the spring festivals, I believe and anticipate that Jesus will also perfectly and completely fulfill each of the details of the three fall festivals in his. Second coming. So go ahead and turn with me to the Old Testament there, Leviticus chapter 23, and stand with me as we read this this morning. We're going to be in verses 23 through 25. Leviticus 23 23 through 25. The Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, You are to have a day of complete rest, commemoration, and trumpet blasts, a sacred assembly. You must not do any daily work, but you must present a food offering to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated at this time. So what do these verses say? What do they incite in us? Well, it's really talking about the gap of the church age. And what do I mean by that? What is the gap of the church age? In Leviticus 23, God provides Moses with basic instructions concerning the Sabbath and the seven feasts. And the first three verses of this chapter talk about the Sabbath. Then verses 4 through 21 outline the four spring feasts, or festivals, that I had mentioned earlier. Now, with the description of the Feast of Pentecost ending in verse 21, we come to verse 22. And this verse is interesting because it seems a little bit out of place. Go ahead and read that to yourself as, as I'm talking here. Verse 22 seems a little bit out of place when you go from 21 to 23. And there's a reason for this. First, you need to read that. And I'll read it here. I'll I'll read it with you. When you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap all the way to the edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. I am the Lord your God. Now, like I said, I don't believe, well, it does, but this verse doesn't belong to the verses of the spring feasts, nor does it belong to the verses of the fall feasts, which is where we read about the feast of trumpets. But verse 22 is squeezed in between the listing of spring and fall festivals for a reason. And it gives instruction concerning the harvest, that they are to remember the poor and the alien or stranger or foreigner, if you will, which is a word that is used all throughout the Old Testament. These are common words that come up a lot. And it's to mention someone who is not of the nation of Israel. So, Vicki, you know where Israel is now, and you know, good, so we're good. It is in the nation of Israel. And in other words... They are Gentiles. Okay, They are Gentiles. So why is this in there? Why is verse 22 in where it is? And why is it placed between the feasts of Pentecost and trumpets? Remember that each of the seven feasts are prophetically pointing to Jesus. We knew that. But it's also pointing to the future events that Jesus would fulfill. And this verse is that it so conveniently lands in the gap between these two, the spring and fall, so that in that four-month gap between the feasts of Pentecost and trumpets, it's also intended to be prophetic. Okay, I thought it was appropriate because we're in between those times. We're just a little bit beyond spring, but again, how would you know? But we are. We're in that gap. We're in that gap. So... Prophetically, I believe that this gap refers to the church age that began at Pentecost and which will reach its conclusion at trumpets. Therefore, the the theme, let that trumpet sound. So what did God do during this gap between the spring and fall festivals? Well, he did exactly what he told Israel to do in verse 22. He remembered and is remembering the poor, the alien, the foreigner, the stranger. He is sending his word to the far ends of the earth so that the Gentiles can be saved, so that we can be saved. As a Christian, we know when we come to know Christ, we are being fed. We're being fed his word. We're told to pray. We're told to do all these different things. And if you're looking at it, you're thinking, oh yeah, well this is for me. You're telling me to do this for me so that I build my relationship to Christ. But really, that's not really the goal. The goal is to get you to a point where you can tell others about Christ. So that we can share that wealth of knowledge. So that we can show people what the word of God says. And of course... They turn will make that decision for themselves, whether they choose to have a relationship with Him or choose not to have a relationship with Him. So God did that. He was reminding them to take care of the other people, don't always think about yourself. This is the age on the prophetic timeline that we're living in today. God is telling us to remember those who are lost, remember those who do not have the Word of God. Those who do not know and have a relationship to Jesus Christ. It is the age of grace. And you might be saying, how is that possible? How is what we're going through right now the age of grace? It will be the age of grace when that trumpet sounds. Do we understand that? We go through trials and tribulation so that we get to that point when that trumpet sounds and we can say, we made it. And I brought you with me. And I brought you with me. That's what it's referring to. That was the lesson learned then. God was telling people to prepare. Prepare for rain. Right? We needed to prepare for rain this year. And that's, that's what God is saying. Don't forget the lowly person. Don't forget the person that you normally wouldn't talk to. Don't forget about the people that you normally wouldn't associate with. God is calling us out for that. That's why he threw that in there, is to say, yes, we're going to do all this, 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 and that, this, this. Oh, by the way, don't forget this. It is the age of the prophetic timeline that we are living in today. So let's have a look at this exciting and important feast that gives us kind of a glimpse into the second coming of Christ. So the question becomes, why trumpets. Why trumpets? Well, trumpets play a very important role in the life of the Israelites. One of the first mentions of the use of the trumpet is found in Exodus chapter 19. You can reference that. but That's in connection with the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And there the trumpet was used to summon the people to the mountains so that they could receive the law. In Numbers chapter 10, God gave Moses instructions for using trumpets to summon and assemble the people, uh, break camp, and set out for their new destination. Uh, At the beginning of each month and during the appointed feasts, as a reminder that the Lord was their God, And it was to sound the alarm when battle or war was about to begin. Now I'm going to talk about what this means in a spiritual context later on in this message. But first, let's build a better understanding of this particular feast. And so this particular feast is talking about the days of awe. What is that? Sounds like a theological term that only scholars are supposed to understand. No. The days of Awe was the feast of trumpets, and it started on the first day of the Jewish month of Tishrei, Tishrei, which is the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. You might be saying, Oh, great, that's July for us. Okay. No. The feast itself was pretty simple. The people were to gather together for the day, uh, have rest, in which they took a break from their work, or what we call the Sabbath, right? And they were to remember God with a blast of trumpets and present a food offering to the Lord. So it's a two-day feast uh, because it requires the sighting of the new moon, okay? And you can kind of reference this later on, but it kind of gives you a a context of why they did what they did. And, And when this moon was sighted, then it had to be reported to the priests because of the uncertainty of when exactly this would occur. The Feast of Trumpets is traditionally celebrated over two days. And the first two days of that seventh month, with the most important part of the observance being the blowing of the shofar or the ram's horn. And after those two days are completed, there is a period of seven days between feasts, followed by the next fall festival known as the Day of Atonement on the 10th day of Chistre. These 10 days are collectively called the Days of Awe. They are the most solemn and the most holy days in the entire Jewish year. In fact, preparing for this time starts in the previous month. The month of Elul. Okay, Beginning on the first day of Elul, the shofar is blown each day. Except on the Sabbath days that month. And it is also not blown on the day before the Feast of Trumpets. Then on the two days of Rosh Hashanah, which some of you are very familiar with, exactly 100 notes of various types are sounded, ending with one long blast from the shofar. Each day the trumpet is blown to remind the people to repent and return to God in preparation of the upcoming days of awe. So Everyone was to search their own hearts during this period and make sure they were right with God. Isn't that what God is calling us to do right now? People are always looking for that prophetic thing, saying, oh, well, we're in the last feast, so Christ must be coming very soon. Yes, he is. He is coming very soon. Rosh Hashanah literally means... Head of the year and is the Jewish new year. And they will greet each other with the words. Does anybody know offhand? Shalom or Shana Tova, which basically means good year. Have a good year. We say happy new year, right? They say Shana Tova, which is the shortened form of the complete greeting. May you be inscribed and sealed for a good year. We don't say that, do we? We just say, Happy New Year. Year. You come up and say, you know what? You be inscribed and sealed for a good year. They're going to look at you like you got in too much of that punch. Lay off, buddy. But however, this is not uh, the biblical New Year. The biblical New Year for Israel is the first day of the first month called Nisan in the Jewish calendar, which was commanded by God when he was set them free from their Egyptian bondage, which has been celebrated ever since uh, Passover. Again, I know it's a history lesson, and I know you're thinking, how does this have any practical implications to what we're talking about today? Bear with me. It's, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But it is a solemn day of soul-searching, forgiveness, repentance, and remembering God's judgment and his covenant. As well as a joyful day of celebration. Looking forward to God's goodness and mercy in the coming new year. So here we have a prophetic fulfillment, don't we? So what is the prophetic or spiritual significance of the Feast of Trumpets? Why is it mentioned? Why is it so important to us? How does this feast, like we talked about earlier, how does it point to Jesus. How does it point to Jesus? First, I want to give you a word of caution. When we're looking at biblical prophecy, especially prophets that have yet to be fulfilled, we have to be super careful. We have to be super careful. It is much easier to look backwards and see how a prophecy was fulfilled than to try to anticipate the details of future events, especially when we, we've only been given glimpses and shadows, of, uh, certain metaphors of those uh, future events. And Jesus literally fulfilled the spring feasts at his first coming, including the inauguration of the church age on the day of Pentecost, as he empowered his followers with the Holy Spirit. So I, and I'm sure you, have little doubt that he will literally fulfill the three fall feasts at his second coming. And just as the fulfillment of the spring feast was somewhat of a mystery until those events actually took place, for us there's a little bit of a mystery concerning exactly how Jesus is going to fulfill the, The fall feasts. So with that in mind, I'm going to kind of do my best to um, shed some light on the significance of the Feast of Trumpets for us. See, I believe that the evidence points to the Feast of Trumpets finding its fulfillment in the rapture of the church. So let's take a look. So the the name of it in the Jewish calendar is Yam Hadin. Yom Hadin and is, is the um, literal translation is the, um, the day of judgment the day of judgment and there are several other names for this feast of trumpets of course Yom Hadin is the day of judgment uh, according to the Talmud three books are, of account are opened on Rosh Hashanah and the fate of each person for the text uh, uh, for the next year is sealed we talked about being inscribed and sealed for a good year. The names of the righteous are immediately recorded in the book of life. Okay? Those of the wicked are blotted out of the book of life and they are appointed for death, and then they are in those in between the intermediates who are given 10 days until Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, or the second of the fall festivals, to repent. And become righteous. So, in connection with the Feast of Trumpets and beginning this period of judgment, is the fact that the Jewish people also associate the feast with something called the time of Jacob's trouble. Look at Jeremiah 30, verse 7. You can just reference Jeremiah 30, verse 7. How awful that day will be! There will be no other like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be saved out of it. They see that the days of awe or the days of tribulation are going to be an incredibly difficult time for Israel. Those times will be very difficult for us. How so, you say? We will be raptured we won't be here. It will be a very difficult day for those here. And then preceding that. That should inspire us. I I, People always ask, why don't we teach more about Revelation? Why aren't we in Revelation every Sunday? That's what's important, right? That's what we've been called to do. We're called to save others. We don't save them We bring them to God and we hope that they again have that relationship to Jesus Christ so that one day when that rapture comes, they will be carried off with us, right? So why aren't we in Revelation every Sunday? Because I believe Revelation is a tool to scare us. I believe this is God's way of saying, wake up. We're on a sinking ship. Get as many people as you can off that ship. Because it's going to sink. No ifs, ands, or buts. It is going to sink. And so I think through this lesson in the Old Testament it is teaching us that they were starting to do that then. We are to do it now, but they were doing this then too. We are to prepare because we do not know the time. We do not know the day, the hour. That shouldn't matter to us as Christians. If we are truly saved through Christ... It doesn't matter when that time is. We can say we're excited for it to come. We can say, oh, you know, we have these prophetic preachers that will say, oh yeah, it's going to happen October 7th, uh, 2024. Yeah, where are you getting this? The reason why it is believed that the Feast of Trumpets ushers in the rapture of the church as those who are "Quote unquote holy righteous." Due to the imputed righteousness of Christ that has been given to us, we are called to assemble together when the trumpet of Rosh Hashanah sounds. Is, this is the importance of this feast to us. It is the somewhat kind of like the altar call. This is the this is the time. Let's come together. And I don't know about you, but if it were me, and it will be me someday, hopefully. When that trumpet calls, I'm going to be carrying a lot of people with me. I'll be going with a lot of people that I know. Because I know there's going to be a lot of people that I do not, or I do know, that will not be joining us. And that motivates me. I don't know if that would motivate you, but that motivates me to live my life for Christ to do what I can to get those individuals off that sinking ship. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15-17 through 17 says this, For we say this to you by a word from the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, With the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. The day of judgment for a believer happens after we are raptured and experience the judgment seat of Christ. Romans chapter 14. But you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us give an account of himself to God. This is not judgment to determine whether we we receive heaven or hell. Understand that. As believers, we have already been found innocent. And our heavenly destination has been set. Instead, this is where the accounting of our lives results either in rewards or crowns that we get so that we can just give them right back. And honor our Lord to place at his feet. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand there empty handed. I'd like to give something back. As believers, we won't face the wrath of God because this has been taken by Christ. But those who have rejected Christ will face the wrath of God, starting with. The days of awe, like I just mentioned. And according to Jewish belief, in these days of awe, some will be wholly wicked. And will not repent, even with the clear evidence that is presented to them by God. But the intermediates will choose in this day which way they will go. I believe we're in that intermediate period. We're sitting in right smack dab in it. We are in that intermediate period. So what will they choose? They will either have death on the Day of Atonement, or they'll choose to repent and turn to the Lord. Hopefully that is the case before it's too late. There's Yam Hakesha, which is the hidden day. And in Jewish thought this feast was also known as Yam Hakesh or Again, the hidden day. And it was said to be hidden from Satan. A feast that was hidden from Satan. Because they didn't know the exact day it would begin due to the fact that they had uh, to first find the smallest part of the new moon. So again, they would look up to the sky and kind of have an idea. But again, they had to report to the priest to get clarification of when this actually began. And they did that so they didn't celebrate it on the wrong day. Now concerning Rosh Hashanah, the Jews would typically say of that day and hour, no one knows. And we see a similar statement from Jesus in Matthew 24 verse 36. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son except the Father alone you make the connection here to this feast, when this feast will happen, people are saying, did we have all the seven feasts already? No, we have not. And this proves it right here. The day of that feast is when what? Number one, we don't know. And we know it hasn't happened because we don't know. The day of rapture is when we have that feast. So while Gentiles read this to mean that nobody knows when Jesus will return, the Jewish mind could likely see Jesus referring to the Feast of Trumpets in making this statement. There is also a concept of believers being hidden at this time of the hidden day, which many believe, is talking about the rapture of the church. Verses like Psalm 27, 5. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Before the decree takes effect and the day passes like chaff, before the burning of the Lord's anger overtakes you, and before the day of the Lord's anger overtakes you, seek the Lord. All you humble of the earth who carry out what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be concealed on the day of the Lord's anger. And then in Isaiah twenty-six nineteen through 21, your dead will live. Their bodies will rise, awake and sing, You who dwell in the dust, for you will be recovered or I'm sorry, be covered with the morning dew, and the earth will bring out the departed spirits. Go, my people, enter your rooms and close your doors behind you. Hide for a little while until the wrath has passed. For look, the Lord is coming from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will reveal the bloodshed and it will no longer conceal her slain. Now, there are other names that you might be familiar with or not familiar with that describe this. Uh, For the Feast of Trumpets, names like I said, Yam Turah, which is the day of awakening. Another name is uh, the Last Trump, or Yom Zikaron, which is the Day of Remembrance. And I'm, I'm trying to get these words correct, so if, I, if I'm saying it wrong and you know it, come see me afterwards and correct me. It's been almost a year and a half since I've had class. So Yom Hamelech, Day of Coronation of the King. And it is also referred to as the Opening of the Gates of Heaven and the Wedding of the Messiah. And while we don't have time this morning to delve deeply into these other names, um, they too point, I believe, to the rapture of the church. And each of these are based in Jewish teaching and tradition. So, with all that being said, there is a timeline that seems to appear. We see the church age coming to a close soon. The signs are all around us. And I personally believe that the church age or the prophetic time between the spring festivals and the fall festivals will come to a close when that trumpet sounds. And with the rapture of the church, it will be the fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets. Which then ushers in the time of tribulation. Coinciding with the time between the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of atonement, which, lucky you, I'm going to talk about next week. So what does this have to do with us personally? What is the personal aspect that we should glean from what I've read to you this morning? Well, ask this question, how should this impact me today? Pastor Chris, you gave the sermon, I listened to it. Some of you will say, hey, great sermon. Don't do that. Take it with you. Take it with you, apply it, and then come back and say, this is what I gleaned from it. That's what I want to hear. Not that I did a good job, or oh, you didn't look nervous today. Oh, you did this, or you did that. Don't do that. <laughs> I love approval, but don't get me wrong. But what I want to see is the change in your life. I want to see that you got something from it. I want to hear you in conversations when I walk by and you're saying, man, that was right. This is this and this is that. This is how it affected me. That's what I want to hear. I'm not going to stop you for coming up and saying, we really enjoyed your sermon today. I like that too. But what I really want to hear you say is, this applied to me. This helped me. This helped me realize something I didn't know before. Or reaffirm something that I already knew. So how did this impact you today? For a believer, the feast of trumpets centers on us being watchful and ready. We're being watchful and ready. And like I said, trumpets were used to alert the people of God. So like the title says, I say, let that trumpet sound. Let it sound because trumpets were also used in the battles that Israel fought. The the personal aspect here also speaks of the spiritual warfare that we experience as believers. These two aspects are related and are beginning to converge in our age. The attack upon the believer are increasing in our age. Spiritual warfare is increasing persecution of christian believers has been common outside of the western countries but as we approach the time of the fulfillment of the feast of trumpets i don't believe it will be at all easy to hold a true christian faith in any part of the world in other words it's coming to our doorsteps it is so what do we do we need to watch. We need to listen. We need to be aware of what's going on. We need to equip ourselves with the truth. Because when we do that, we can be confident in knowing that even though this is not going to be pleasant, I can take refuge in knowing that the Lord is taking care of me. I can take refuge in knowing that I have Done what I can to tell others about Christ. Can you say that? Can you be confident in saying that? We need to watch. Watch what's happening in this world. Watch for the coming of the Lord. Watch and guard our hearts. Because we know that this worldliness is trying to choke our fruitfulness. In our passion for the Lord. So, what's the one thing I want you to leave with today? I want you asking the question Am I desiring to grow in the Lord? And through that growth, do I desire to teach others about that? Are we staying alert? Or, like I warned some of you this morning, are you getting sleepy? Are we tired of course we're tired of course we're tired we're being persecuted being a Christian is not easy and it wasn't then either you see the warning of the Lord concerning the difficult days that lie before us can be found in Matthew twenty-four, twelve. because lawlessness will multiply the love of many will grow cold don't Allow that to happen in your heart. Don't grow cold. Understand that there is a full, real-time battle going on for your heart and life. God is fighting it right now as we speak. Amen. So if you feel alone, or if you feel like he's not in your corner, go to Matthew twenty-four, twelve. He is right there with you. He is right there with you. Earlier I gave you four purposes for sounding a trumpet according to Numbers chapter 10. Assembling the congregation together, setting out to the new destination, rejoicing at the appointed feasts and festivals, and to sound that alarm when a battle or war is about to begin. Can you see now how these will all be fulfilled at the rapture? The blowing of the heavenly trumpet will be a call for the entire true bride of Christ to assemble together. And I know people that know me know that I like the Marvel Universe. Avengers assemble. Christians, let's come together. Let's fight the fights that need to be fought. And allow God to step in and fight the battles that he's already won. That's what we need to do. And when I say the whole congregation, that's what I mean. God will not leave one true believer out of this. Not even those that are already dead. For the amazing thing is that the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive will meet them in the air. That is one big assembly. But that is what the Lord will do. That's what he promises. He will assemble the entire congregation together for the first time. And secondly, the heavenly trumpet is a call to set out to our new destination, the heavenly promised land. That's why we need to be watchful and we need to listen. We need to be watchful and we need to listen. We are approaching the time when the heavenly trumpet will be heard. Jesus is coming soon. Repent and turn our hearts towards God. Then we can run our race well and we can finish our race well. Mm -hmm. For the trumpet could sound quicker than you think. Amen? Amen? Dave.
0: There's a way to uh, get that thirst again to grow in the Lord if maybe it's waning on you. Those, those of you who have kids, um, if you've never done this, set aside just a little bit of time with them and start talking about how good God is. And hear what they have to say. And then, in a fun way, try, try to one-up each other what you know how good God is. And you'll find yourself delighting in Him and the Lord will delight because of what you're doing. He loves to be praised for His goodness, doesn't He? Maybe you don't have kids but you could start thinking and in inventory how good God has been and is in your life right now. As a fellowship we can do that. God is good what? And all the time, you talk about a never-ending conversation. We can go back and forth, but it's true. As we leave today, let's embrace his goodness, embrace his love, embrace each other in his name. And then as pastor encouraged us, we can't save anybody, but we can tell them about Jesus. Here's what he's done for me. I love you, Lord. Come on. Oh, your mercy never fails me. Oh, all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, yes, I will sing. name for that don't we Amen.
1: Heavenly Father thank you that you are so good to us that you show your mercy day in and day out and Lord you always keep your promises Lord we are living in a time where we're seeing this prophetic nature being presented to us and we know Lord you are right there in the midst of it You are blessing us. You are preparing us for this time. And Lord, even though some of us might say, you know what, I really don't want that to happen today. And no, as a a human being, we don't. But Lord, as a Christian, in my heart, I am yelling at the top of my lungs, sound that trumpet. Bring us closer to you. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that we have to tell others about you and to understand that one day when that trumpet does sound, they'll be right there standing with us. And what an assembly that will be. We look forward to that day. But in the meantime, we will continue to fight the fights that need to be fought here. And we will continue to seek you out. We will continue to run our race until it is time to lay it all down and join you in heaven. What a glorious day that will be. Lord, thank you again for our time together, and wherever we may go today, I pray that you will be with us and you will guide us in all that we do. And it is in your name we all pray this morning, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great day in the Lord.
0: The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved.